Good evening, everyone. My name is Dan B. And I'm a compulsive reader from Michigan. My highest weight was well over 300 pounds. My weight today is around 170 pounds. I'm uh, five foot 11. I'm a normal uh, size and weight uh, for what I am and who I am. And I hope I don't forget where I came from. Uh, my abstinence is three measured meals a day with nothing in between, uh, but coffee and uh, water and diet beverages uh, and life, most importantly, life. Uh, my history with food goes all the way back to my childhood. Actually, I I feel it was uh, being a compulsive overeater was in my DNA. I, I feel I was born a compulsive overeater because all of my memories going all the way back uh, I just remember just cramming uh, food into my mouth. And uh, like a lot of us, uh, heck, everybody I've ever met has come from a dysfunctional family. Uh, and mine wasn't any different. Uh, we all did the best we could. Uh, I grew up in the metro Detroit area. Uh, my dad worked for the Lincoln Mercury Division of Fords and uh, my mom was a, a homemaker uh, and a wonderful mom. Uh, I uh, I ate all the time, you know, uh, when I was young, and everything was centered around food. Uh, all of my earliest memories uh, just goes back to food and and restaurants and I dealt with frustration with food and uh, it was just crazy. Uh, by the time I got up into my teenage years, uh, I started getting into uh, drugs and alcohol and somehow at that time the food kind of took a back seat for a while. Um, I first came into uh, the twelve-step rooms in the nineteen in the mid nineteen seventies. Uh, I think I was close to a teenager then, and I came in through the rooms of AA. Um, some of my talk tonight is going to be uh, around uh, sponsors that I've had and, and sponsorship. Uh, sponsorship is very important. Uh, there's many things that I can do on my own, but I, I need to have a sponsor. But most importantly, I need a higher power. My reliance has to be on my higher power. And uh, I want to make that very clear from the very beginning. Uh, I uh, At one of my very first meetings uh, that I attended uh, in the early 1980s, uh, they read our invitation to you and uh, at the end of the reading they it says welcome w welcome to OA and welcome home and I'm glad that they told me that because I really didn't have a home anywhere or anymore or anymore and I felt like I'd been evicted from life uh, I felt pretty alone uh, the way I got into 
OA, the way I walked into the rooms is kind of different too. Uh, I first came into uh, OA on January 1st of 1986. The night before, I was at a uh, a party where there was a band, and it was I think it was at an Eleanor Club or something, and uh, oh, I ate a bunch of stuff and went home and kept eating. Uh, I was eating while I was in bed, and I woke up the next morning and realized I'd almost choked to death. I did something I'd never done before at that time. I, I got down on my knees and I got quiet. And I said, God, please help me. God, please help me. I was actually kneeling in front of the refrigerator. And I was kneeling there a while and a thought came to me. And the thought was, go to an AA meeting. And I started pondering that thought. And the more I thought about it, that thought started coming more and more. Go to an AA meeting. And I thought, I'm going to do that. I can go to a meeting. It made sense to me. I can go to a meeting. I can see some people I know. I can have some coffee. I can talk about how I'm feeling. I quickly got dressed. I drove down to the Alano Club near me. I walked through the door, went down the stairs to the big fluorescent lit room and everything was set. The coffee was on, nobody was there. It was like a scene out of the twilight zone. But in all the hundreds of times that I'd been there, there uh, had never been a door that was open on the other side of that room. And there was, there was a door that was open that evening that or that morning on the other side of the room. And there was a light on in that room. And uh, I thought, wow, what's, what's going on over there? So I walked across the room, walked into the room, and uh, there was a row of tables on the right side of the room and some windows. And I just kept walking straight and and pretty much minding my own business. And as I walked along, there was a woman sitting there. She had her purse on the table and a stack of papers, and I walked past her. And as I walked past her, she said, away. And uh, I was feeling so terrible about myself uh, that I thought she said, go away. And so I didn't say anything. I just kept looking ahead, and I was thinking to myself, it kind of messed with my head. And I thought, I wonder why she's telling me to go away. I turned around and I said, what did you say? And she said, she said, oh, wait, this is OA." way. And I said, what's OA?" And she said, uh, we're going to be having a meeting in here for uh, people that are have, that have a problem with food. Oh, really? Can I join? Can I sit down and join the meeting? She said, sure, pull up a chair. And uh, the meeting room started filling up with uh, smiling, uh, intelligent, uh, uh, confident people in normal-sized bodies. Uh, 
these people, uh, it was very compelling to see these, to meet these people. Uh, no, at this time, I, I, uh, in the area where I lived, I believe the recovery rate was probably about 60%. And what I mean by that is uh, that when I went to the Monday night beginners meeting, uh, where there was perhaps over 100 people at the meeting, at least 60 to 70 of the people that were there were abstinent in normal-sized bodies. This, this was very compelling. It was also very compelling when they showed me the pictures of what they used to look like. It was also very compelling when I heard them qualify and tell their stories. I knew they were speaking the truth and I wanted the truth because I wasn't getting the truth anywhere else. I wasn't getting it from the radio. I wasn't getting it from magazine ads. I wasn't getting it from the covers of magazine ads as I was waiting in line at lines at supermarkets or party stores. I was living in a world full of lies. But these people were all telling the truth. They also had a compassion about them. But more than more than compassion, they had a what I would call a compassionate presence about them. I felt safe around these people. I felt good and I felt within a short while of just listening to them tell their stories, I, I did everything they did. I, I ate food and was sick for three days and did it over again. I stole food. I stole money to buy food. I stole food out of stores. I I stood in uh, party stores or supermarkets late at night with boxes and bags of stuff and looking at it and wondering quietly to myself, is this going to do it? Will this be enough? And there, there never was enough. The obsession of the body and mind, it was... It was just too much for me. I, but eventually I, I went to a meeting and I heard a guy qualify. And after the meeting, I, I walked up to him and I did another thing that I hadn't done before. I walked up to him and the first thing I said was, I need help. Can you help me? And he smiled and he said, sure. And he pulled out a piece of paper and uh, he wrote down a simple little food plan for me to follow. And he said, give me a call tomorrow morning. And he, I think he, we talked a little bit and he answered a few more questions for me. And, and I, I said, you know, I, I really don't know what to eat. Can you help me with that? I, really, I had to humble myself and say that. And he said, don't worry about that. I'll, let you, I'll, I'll help you. And so the next morning, I uh, I called him, and he helped me put together a food plan. And it was pretty much the same food plan that I followed today. You know, when I woke up, my I had a breakfast where I had one protein, I had one fruit, and I had one coffee. For lunch, I had one protein. I had a vegetable, uh, which was a finger salad, and uh, I had... Uh, uh, 
And for dinner tonight, I had one protein, I had a salad, and I had a cooked vegetable. And that was my food plan for today, and I believe that was my same food plan that I had then. And I was off and running. I uh, started going to as many meetings as I could. Uh, I started working the 12 steps, uh, taking the 12 steps uh, and uh, doing step work even at meetings. Uh, uh, removing, talking about resentments, uh, removing resentments, uh, guilt, shame, blame. Uh, I started to feel better. I, I started to uh, uh, feel good about myself. I was talking to one guy um, one night after a meeting, and and he said he told me he said. You know, I felt so bad about myself. I was looking down at the ground all the time. And uh, I told him, uh, I said, you know, I, I know what you, I know what you're talking about because I felt the same way. And uh, then he looked at me and smiled and he said, you know, it, it really wasn't that bad because I found a lot of money on the ground. And uh, I laughed and he laughed. Uh, boy. Overeaters Anonymous has taught me to accept myself, to love myself, and to keep moving forward. Uh, above all else, uh, one of the most important things that I learned uh, in a way was to love myself again, to learn how to love myself and care about myself and take care of myself. And in doing that, I was able to love and care for others. Uh, there was a there was a book that was written many years ago by a guy named Thomas Wolfe, and it was called "You Can't Go Home Again." Well, you know he was wrong because I came home again when I entered the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, and I have a new family now. At one of my earliest meetings, there was a there was a guy that would come to the meetings, and uh, he would always come in late and he would have food stuck on his face or on his clothes. And uh, when he shared, he, oh, thank you. He mentioned uh, that uh, the reason he, he couldn't stop eating, but, but in coming to the meeting, it afforded him uh, 60 minutes out of the day where he wasn't overeating. That guy actually went on to become my mentor. Uh, I learned a lot from that guy. Uh, I learned a lot about life. Uh, my sponsor reminds me that my my abstinence is a gift, and I and I guard it with my life today. Uh, it was freely given to me by my by my higher power. Uh, as long as I try to do His will for me, a day at a time. Uh, I know today that the third step is the, the key to my happiness, uh, the third step and 11th step prayer meditation. Uh, I practice uh, regularly. Um, I try to keep things as simple as I can. Um, I had difficulty interpreting the third step uh, when I first came into the program because of the way it was worded, it you know made a decision to turn my will on my life. I my I just couldn't get my head around that. What does that mean? And then it was explained to me that 
um, the phrase will in life actually meant turning my thoughts and my actions over uh, to my higher power. And I know today that essentially that I was being asked to act my way into right thinking, not trying to find out how I can think my way into right acting. Uh, I know today that God's will for me is to be loving and kind to others. Uh, I know that God doesn't want me to pick up the first compulsive bite today. I know that my higher power wants me to stay away from slippery places. Or doesn't want me to take the inventory of others. My higher power doesn't want me to look back at my life with shame or guilt. My higher power doesn't want me to forget where I came from. Before I did my talk tonight, I looked at a picture of myself at my highest weight, and it wasn't fun. I I didn't have a happy expression on my face. My higher power doesn't want me to become complacent about my recovery. And I know today that complacency can also be contagious. So I try to practice situational awareness today. Uh, wherever I'm at, uh, I try to be aware of my surroundings. And uh, I try to keep uh, my eye on my recovery, my mind on my recovery, my program, and my outlook on my life. My my higher power wants me to pray and meditate. My my higher power wants me to stay in contact with others and not isolate. My higher power wants me to live one day at a time, to say yes when people ask for help, to pray for courage, to be honest, to be grateful, to keep things simple, and to treat others fairly. Um, I uh, I have to live life on life's terms today, and a lot of times life's terms can suck. But when I use the OA tools, uh, life is bearable, and oftentimes I'm a pretty reasonably happy person. Uh, today I have a plan of eating. I have sponsorship. I have the 12 steps, which I take on a continuous basis. I have the slogans. I have my telephone. When I came into the rooms 40 years ago, in a way, I was told that if, if your phone isn't ringing, pick it up and call someone. I keep things simple today. If, some, if I'm going through a rough time, I, I know that this too will pass. It always does. I realize today that I have many choices in life. I can write about things that bother me. If I'm having a rough day and I don't know what the problem is, I can sit down with a piece of paper and start writing. And I can trace it, I can face it, and I can erase it from my life. Uh, For me today, the 12 steps are I take on a continuous basis. They're like a psychological nutrient for me. Um, I uh, 
I don't know what I'd do if I wasn't abstinent. I'd be a ball of confusion. I wouldn't be able to think clearly. I'd be a danger to myself and others. I know today that recovery is all about making sacrifices. Recovery is about doing the things that I don't want to do. Don't we might Okay. Um, I guess this is where I wrap up, and uh, and I want to thank you for the opportunity to share my story. Keep coming back. It works. Don't quit before the miracle happens. My number is 906-231-0559, and I'm on Eastern Standard Time. 